Welcome to the DSM Podcast, featuring the DLA interns with their sermons for DSM by DLA. What is up, DSM? How are y'all doing tonight? Doing good? Well, hey, if this is your first time, we want to welcome you. You've come on a very special night because it is DSM by DLA. So we have three. First off, give it up for the DLA band. Where's my DLA band at? They like killed it. They're eating pizza or doing something. Well, we are excited to have y'all here. We have three amazing speakers lined up tonight. They auditioned. It was like so nerve-wracking for them to come from us, but we are excited. We have three amazing ones. So I'm not going to waste your time no longer. I'm going to welcome up, and y'all need to like stand up and like get on your feet and get loud for the lovely Mr. Jason Emanuelson. What's up, DSM? Y'all, I am so honored to be here on this stage. Guys, ah, it's a blessing. All right, so I'm going to open this up in prayer real quick. So if you guys could bow your head, it would be great. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this amazing night with such an amazing worship just to glorify you. Heavenly Father, would you just come right now and let my words fall short. And may your words just pierce the heart of these these students that need to hear. So, Heavenly Father, we welcome you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, DSM. So first, I want to start off and say this is forever loved. So I want to start off with a little bit of my story. Most of you, if not some of you, know that I am adopted. And being adopted isn't easy. It's actually quite hard. Because you have to grow up knowing that you're different than everybody else. That you, your parents aren't yours, but yet they chose you. Now how weird is that as such a young age like I was saying, why am I different? Why did I get chosen? What happened? A couple years when I was very young, I was actually told by my, my mom now, hey, just want to let you know that your mom terminated pursuit to ever see you again. That means, hey, you're not mine. I'm done. I gave birth. That's all. Okay, deuces. I'm done. Man, when I found that out, I was heartbroken. I was like, wow, my own mom didn't want me? Okay. What's that mean? So I continued growing up in high school and <clears throat> junior high, and I was like, okay, it's fine. I'm different. I'll accept the difference. But then I was continued to be picked on, saying, ha, what a loser. Your mom didn't even want you. How do you deserve love? Or do you deserve love? And I questioned it. I'm like, God, do I actually deserve love? Do I really deserve love? What is love? And so I continued. I was like, you know what? My one thing that I used to tell people when people would say, hey, your parents didn't even want you. I said, yeah, you're right. My parents chose me. Your parents are stuck with you. Just go on with the little guys, you know? But then it got me thinking. Didn't I just speak life into them? My parents chose me, your parents are stuck with you, but aren't we all children of God? Aren't we all adopted into his family? So then when I was thinking about it, I got to Isaiah 49, verse 15, and the message translation, it says, can a mother forget her own infant at her breast, walk away from the baby she bore, but even if a mother forgets, I, your God, will never forget you. 
never. I have written you on the palm of my hand. Guys, I don't know about you, but how cool is it that our God has every one of our names written on his hands. So when you feel like you're alone, when you feel like there's nothing else that you can do, that you're too far gone, that you feel forgotten, you're forgettable. Guys, he has written you. He's engraved you into the palm of his hands. How can you forget something that you look at every day? It's impossible. Guys, this is my story. I read that just this year. My mom didn't want me, but yet my dad did. My father in heaven did. I am so blessed and honored to have my parents now, the ones that chose me at such a young age. They didn't know me. They didn't know what, I'd, what hell I would cause them. But yet at a baby level, they said, no, I choose you. So, guys, it was so amazing. I am so blessed to have my dad in the back right now working security. I love my dad. I love my mom. I love with my two sisters. But, guys, it hasn't always been this easy. Guys, I want to know and remind you that you were loved and you were forever loved. It doesn't matter how far away you run. Guys, in Luke 15, we all almost know the prodigal story of the son who ran away, grabbed his inheritance and ran the other way. Guys, I was that prodigal son. I grabbed whatever I could and I went off and I said, okay, God, you're there. I'm going to go this way. I don't really care about you. I'm going to live two-faced. I'm going to go, that's you. This is where I want to be. This is easy love. This is where I find sex, pornography, masturbation, name it. I was there saying, okay, yay, world. But then I come to Wednesday and DSM and Sunday say, yay, Jesus. Then come back, yay, women. Yay, Jesus. No. Y'all, I hated living a two-faced life. It was so draining and I hated it. A couple of desperations ago, I said, you know what, God, I am so done with living this two-faced lie and this two-faced life. So I said, fine, God, if you want to do something, do it. I'm going to try and turn around, even though you're a thousand and a half miles away, I'm going to try to turn back to you. If that means I have to trek through hell itself just to get back to you, so be it. But guys, as soon as I turned and looked, God, he was right there. I may be running far away from him, but he's running after me. Guys, just like I was running away, he was continuously pursuing me. So when I thought he was so far away, I just had to turn and he was there with his arms open wide, ready to embrace me. Guys, in Luke 15, it says, even though he was still far away, his father saw him and he ran towards him and he embraced and kissed him. Guys, doesn't that sound familiar? When... In that age, if you were 25, a man, 25 or over, and you pulled up your pants and you ran, it was a sign of shame. Guys, why did the father run to take the shame of the son? Saying, do not look at my son, look at me. Let me take the shame. Do not look at my son. I will strip naked and put my clothes on him. I'll take the shame. Guys, he's taking every one of your shame. You don't need to live in shame anymore. You don't need to live like I'm second better than everybody else. No, he chose you first before anybody else. Before you were born, he knew your name and he knew your story. Guys, you are forever loved. Jesus went to the cross to take your shame and to tell you that you are loved. I had to learn this the hard way, trying to figure out easy pleasure 
or godly pleasure. Easy love, hard love that is worth fighting for. Some of you are out here firstborns, second middle child, babies of a family, only child. You want to perform for your love. You want to perform for your parents to get the best of the activity that you're doing. Best in soccer, highest GPA. You want to please the people around you. That's false. You don't need to do any of that to deserve love. You need to sit down, open your arms and say, God, come. And he comes. He's there when you ask. He loves you before you've done anything. Because you are all worthy and desired. And you deserve to be loved by the one that created you before the world. Guys, I want to make this clear. That you were forever loved. You were loved before you were born. You were loved before you were even existence in your parents' mind. But he chose you. You are going to make mistakes, sure. But you are also going to be chased down by the one that made you. So guys, I want to end with this final point. No matter where you run, no matter how far away you run, He's coming after you, and he will love you until the day you get to those pearly white heaven gates, and you will embrace you, saying, well done, my son, my daughter. I love you. That's all I got, guys. Wasn't that not awesome? Oh my gosh. Jason Emanuelson, that was awesome. Thank you for bringing the word. I just got to walk through the jungles of Honduras with Jason. We went on a missions trip to Honduras. And he, I have to tell you, we, he had the opportunity to preach at the church that we were going to while we were there up in the jungles in the mountains of Honduras. And he brought the word, and people were like, oh, all over the place. It was so good. So thank you again, Jason. Everybody give him one more hand. All right. My name is Jenny Mason. Stop uh, that. I am the women's director and student life director for DLA. Uh, I am so thankful to be here with you guys tonight, and I have a special privilege of introducing one of my dear, dear girls, Dominique. <laughs> Dominique, come on up. <laughs> come on, girl. I have to tell you, I just have to tell you a little bit about Dominique really quick. This girl has Man, if you've ever heard her worship, this girl can bring worship like none other. If you've ever seen her pray or be in one of her prayer meetings, she will bring you to your knees. And I know you've got an amazing word to share tonight, so bring it on. Awesome. All right. Hi. Is my mic working? Okay, there. Hi. Okay. I'm so not used to talking, I'm used to singing, but okay, we're just going to jump in. My name's Dominique. I am a second year at DLA School of Worship, and same with Jason. I just, since we're matching shirts, we're, I'm just going to share my story with you guys. So, I was born and raised in the Philippines. I don't know if you guys know where that is. It's like literally across the globe. Um, I am the youngest of three, which means I'm the cutest one. Uh, 
but also that means that I felt the need to perform the most, that I needed the most affirmation and just attention. Um, I grew up in the church, basically. My parents separated when I was three, and that was what led my mom to go to church. So I knew all the right answers. I knew all the songs. It was pretty good. Uh, when Pastor David first came into DL to DSM, he talked about being a people who don't wear masks. And I used to wear so many masks that when I think about it now, I'm just like, ugh. ugh. <laughs> um, I, remember, I remember so vividly telling my D group leader last year, I'm like, I'm a little bit older than my peers. Like the things that they're going through, I've already went through. Like I'm pretty good. I, I got this. I'm good. <laughs> so let's go to the scriptures. Luke 5 verse 16. <laughs> but the news about Jesus spread all the more and great crowds came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he frequently withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Jesus, after doing miracles, after doing his father's work, would often withdraw to the secret place to be with his father to pray. The secret place is where we come to be alone with God, to sit in his counsel, to listen. See, I was terrified of the secret place. Because the secret place was where the Holy Spirit came and convicted me of things that I knew I needed to let go. Like I liked, I liked coming to worship and being like, the goosies, getting the goosies. Oh, his love is extravagant. Like, I love that. But the part where he was like, see that? That wound, that gross thing, you need to let go of that. I'm like, nope, nope, I'm good. See, when we go to the secret place, it's this acknowledgement of saying, I can't do this on my own, God. I need you. But the disregard of the secret place is saying, I got this. I'm good. But even Jesus, who was 100% man and 100% God, didn't do anything apart from what the Father said and did. And he often withdrew to the secret place to be with his Father. God, Jesus, who was God, was saying, I can't do it on my own. I need God. I need the Father. And me, I can do this on my own. In Psalm 23, oh yeah, that's the title of my preaching. Um, <laughs> in Psalm 23, we all know this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us to still waters. And what do you see when you go to still waters? You see a reflection. See, the secret place is where the Father will lead you to remind you of who you are. It's not a place. It's not a scary place. It's where he minds you. You're my daughter, you're my son, you're loved and you're chosen and you're righteous. And he restores your soul as you go into the secret place. See, daily I felt the Lord's tug in my heart to finally face the things that were keeping me from diving into a more meaningful relationship with him. But I was so afraid of, because I was so good. I was good at doing things. I was good at doing, getting things done on time. I was so good at that, but I was so afraid that if I finally let go of the things that I worked for, that I was just going to be left with nothing. So I tried to stay hidden. But he loves you too much to leave you alone. I tried to stay hidden. I really did. But see, the, Jesus was like, that festering wound can't stay in there anymore. It's going to infect your entire body, your entire life if you don't face it. It says in Psalm 34, his eyes are towards the righteous and he turns away from the wicked. Do you actually want him to turn away from you? See, his daily tug kept growing stronger and stronger and I kept ignoring it. I kept ignoring it. 
I was saying, God, you can have all of me. You can have all of it, but my sin? That's gross. You don't want that. I'm good. You don't want that. To a point where I couldn't even be in a prayer meeting without being overcome by guilt and shame. I was constantly stressed. I was making, constantly making lists and scheduling my time to the minute. My days, I would go to sleep making lists, to-do lists, and wake up making more to-do lists. And I didn't know how to rest. I was so afraid to be in the quiet place, in the secret place. Because that was when I knew I had to face the scary Finally, um, years of hiding things kind of just exploded because that's what happens because he loves you too much. It just exploded in my face and it was like my sin caught up to me. I was taken off of leadership. I'm in a leadership academy. And I was taken off of leadership and I was almost kicked out. I had driven my best friend away. My leaders were leaving and my family said, you're wasting your time. What are you doing there? You're spending thousands of dollars. You can't even lead. I was so broken. And there's no more hiding. King David, um, he was called a man after God's own heart because he tapped into something of the father's heart. When he was running away for his life because people were trying to kill him, this was his prayer. In Psalm 27, 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. We get asked these questions of when you're, if you ever somehow get deserted in an island, who would you bring with you or what would you bring with you? And we're like, oh, my best friend or an endless supply of pizza. But this was actually David's reality. This, people were coming after him. And the one thing that he asked wasn't, God, the one thing I ask of you is to send a rescue helicopter. The one thing I ask of you is to kill my enemies who are trying to kill me. No, he said, the one thing I ask, God, is to be where your presence is. And when he messed up with Bathsheba and when he murdered her, when he murdered her husband, the, when he repented, he said, God, please don't cast your spirit from me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Because he knew that was the worst thing that could ever happen. David was called a man after God's own heart because he tapped into the father's heart. And the father is all about relationship with you. He's jealous for your heart. He loves you too much to leave you alone. Do you know that right now in this moment, it says in John 17 that he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you, fighting for you, saying, Father, I desire for them to be where we are. I desire for them to see my glory, to see my face because he knows he made you. And when he made you, he made you to only be satisfied by him. Guys, Nothing in this world is going to satisfy. Like that cute boy, that cute girl, or maybe that, that cool click will finally notices you. Yeah, those are good things, but it fails in comparison to Jesus. See, God is a jealous God, but not because he's some tyrant God who needs your attention. It's because he knows you can't live with a divided heart. You come alive in his presence in the place of prayer and relationship. So here I was, actually in the exact same building. We had the gathering. We had um, Pastor Caleb talked about Mary and Bethany. And you guys must have heard this story if you grew up here or anyway. So Jesus is having dinner with his disciples and he had just rose the dead back to life, Lazarus. And they're having, they're having um, dinner. 
And Mary, in response to Jesus bringing her brother back to life, sees this man and anoints him, takes out a, a jar of expensive perfume and breaks it open at his feet. And everyone's saying, why this waste? See, that jar of perfume, it was expensive. It was worth a year's wages and it represented her security. It represented her inheritance. It represented her future. But he saw this man who raised the dead back to life and, he, and she said, this man is my security. This man is my inheritance. This man is my future. So nothing is going to be wasted at his feet. So here I am. I'm hearing the story of Mary offering everything to Jesus. And I felt completely empty, completely drained. Everything I had ever worked for was gone. And I remember kneeling at the altar with my hands cupped with ashes in them. Metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm saying, here it is, God. I felt so drained. I said, here it is, God. I'm so sorry. I didn't take care of it better. You wanted it when it was whole, but now there's nothing left. I wish I had taken care of it better. I'm sorry. This is all I have. And God the Father stands up from kneeling in front of me, and he starts rejoicing over me. And he says, yes. Yes, this is it. This is all I wanted. Your whole heart. This is all I wanted from the beginning. Give it to me. I'm the only one who can make it better. I'm the only one who can make it beat again. Guys, he's kind. He's not disappointed in you and he's patiently, patiently waiting for you. He's kind. He's jealous for your heart. No matter what state your heart has been through, the only place that it will come alive is in his presence again. Guys, Lazarus was dead and buried and by the sound of his voice, was raised back to life and that's exactly what he did to me. I have the words, one thing tattooed on my arm right here to remind me, as a constant reminder that my heart, my heart will only ever come alive in his presence. So I hope that this reminds you guys that he is jealous for your heart and the only place that your heart will come alive is in his presence. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes. Dominique, huh? Dominique is not only an incredible worshiper. She is she is a uh, incredible preacher, obviously. Uh discovered that tonight. Um but she is a a a woman of God and a leader among leaders. I'm proud of you. Give it up. Well, what's going on, DSM? My name is Aaron Olson. I'm one of the pastors for DLA. It is great to be hanging out with you guys. Uh, it is, uh, I, am, I am a new life guy, so I've, I've been uh, around, and so I love this ministry, love Pastor David, Pastor Abe and uh, what's going on in this place. And so it is my profound privilege to uh, introduce your third speaker, the closer, the, uh, the home run hitter, Marin Jacobson. Give it up for Marin.
Marn is uh, an incredible worshiper as well. Loves Jesus, loves you guys, and uh, can't wait for you to hear what she's got. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm Marin Jacobson, and I'm in GLA. But most importantly, I'm a daughter of the Father. So my message today is called At the Feet of Jesus, and I'm going to talk to you about a story in the Bible but first of all, I want to talk to you about a practical way that you can get closer to God. And this is a way um, that has deeply impacted my life. And I think it can sh truly change your relationship with the Lord. Um, so if you have a notebook and a pen, please take, this, take it out. There are a few things you might want to write down. Um, but this, um, this is the best way that I know to hear the voice of God. And it's meditation. You might hear the word meditation. You're like, Marin, whoa, that's like some new age junk where you like put your hands on your knees and you're like <laughs> emptying your mind of everything. But that's not what I'm saying. Do not do that, okay? <laughs> hear me. Don't do that, please. <laughs> um, what I'm talking about with meditation is something that's biblical. It's in the Bible. And in Joshua 1.8, it says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So we're supposed to be meditating, but on the word of God, on the Bible. So you take scriptures, you take Bible verses, and you meditate on it. But what does that mean to meditate? So biblically speaking, meditate can mean these things. It can mean to ponder. So you take a Bible verse, you ponder or imagine about it. It can mean to speak or to murmur or to talk with. So you talk with God about the Bible verses. It can mean to mourn or roar or complain. Do you ever read something and you're like, what in the world? Who are you? Like, I get offended at Jesus a lot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and... <laughs> But I, I come to him and I tell him, and it's just because I don't get him, okay? It's not because he's offensive. Well, he, he is, but like, it's not because he's wrong or he's unkind. It's because I don't understand. So I come to him. And it can also mean to sing. So, so this is what it means to meditate. We're supposed to be doing this with the word of God, talking to God about the word, singing with him about the word, complaining with him about the word. And this is something that has become just a normal part of my life. And now there are different ways of doing this, and you don't need to be legalistic about it. Please don't do that. But this is one of the ways, and it is this. Read it. Write it, say it, sing it, pray it. <laughs> so you take a Bible verse or part of a Bible verse, and you read it. So if you have your notes, write this down. You read it, then you write it, then you say it. So you say the Bible verse and say different thoughts that are coming to your mind, and you can write them down. Then you sing it, because there's power in singing. You guys might be like, oh, my word, like, I don't want to sing. But it's okay. And then you turn it into a prayer to God. But if you can't remember that, 
or you feel like that's going to be legalistic or whatever, all you have to do is just talk to God about the word. All you have to do is just tell him your thoughts about it. So if you remember nothing else, talk to God about Bible verses. So I'm going to give you a brief example of this. Um, so this is a verse, Psalm 145, verse 3, and it says, his greatness is unsearchable. So I'm just going to meditate on this for a moment. You guys can just kind of observe. God, your greatness is unsearchable. Your magnificence, I cannot get to the end of it. It's, it's beyond what I can possibly search out. It's, it can bring me to my knees. It's, it's awing. It's, it's, you're not boring, God. You're limitless. Your love is never ending for me. I can never get to the end of you. God, you're not boring. You're not boring. <laughs> God, I pray that I will believe. Help us to be true. I just want to believe that you're not boring. That you're really limitless. Do you see how I did that? So that, and like... <laughs> You guys, you got to be willing to look weird for God, okay? <laughs> um, so you basically just talk to him about the scripture, and he'll reveal things to you. And this has changed my life. So um, there is no limit to the revelation that he can give you. Just like we, I was talking to him about. And so you can take, you could do this for w literally one verse of the Bible or one word of the Bible for the rest of your life, and you would, l you would seriously never get to the end of what he had to show you. Sometimes we're like, oh, we already read that. Like, no, literally, you could never get to the end of what he has to show you. And for that matter, you can never get to the end of the closeness you can have with God. You might look at me right now and you're like, man, I wish I could be as close to God as Martin. Or you might be looking at Dominique or Pastor Dave and you're like, man, I wish, I wish. You know what? You can be as close to God as us and closer. And look at anyone in the Bible. This might blow your mind. <laughs> you can be as close to God or closer than any person in the Bible. King David, John the Baptist, and can't we be a generation who, we're not trying to beat each other there, but we're all as close to God as we possibly can be. We're all there. It's not just one person. We can all be there. We can all be as close, infinitely close, as close as possible to him. And there's always more. So I'm going to share with you a story from the Bible that's a true story that I have meditated on and talked to the Lord about. And um, this is a story that Dominique mentioned, and it is about Mary of Bethany. She's from a town called Bethany, so that's why she's called Mary of Bethany. Her brother is Lazarus. Her sister is Martha. And she... Um, sorry, let me split my fables. Okay. Well, oh, wait, one other point. By the way, when you're meditating or just in general with your relationship with God, there might be moments where you're bored or you're like, man, I'm just not getting this. 
that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. Just keep going. Don't be surprised that things are boring at times. He's not boring, but sometimes we get bored. So just keep going. Okay, so Mary of Bethany. So Mary of Bethany, she has this jar of perfume. Let's go to that scripture. John 12. Thank you, Steph. Um, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. She's doing things for Jesus. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it, so he would steal. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So in this story, Mary takes a bottle of perfume, and she brings it before Jesus. And it's worth a year's wages. So think about that. A year's worth of wages. That, in our day and age, could be like $50,000, okay? You could buy a car with that. You could pay for a, lot of, a good amount of college with that. Girls, you could buy a lot of shoes with that, you know? So uh, <clears throat> she takes this bottle of perfume, the most valuable thing she can, and she gives it to Jesus. She pours it at the feet of Jesus. And um, she does this because she wants to give what is most valuable. She wants to give the most she possibly can to him. So I'm asking you, what is your bottle of perfume? What is your jar of perfume? What's the most valuable thing that you have to give to Jesus? What part of your heart are you not giving to him? And who are you giving your jar to? Now I could tell you, go, get that jar of perfume and bring it. Bring it to the altar and pour it on the feet of Jesus. Give it to Jesus. He's worth it. He's worthy of it. Do it. Do it. Do it. He's worthy. Give him your jar. Give him everything you have. But if you did that, you might be doing it not because you wanted to, but because I'm up here telling you to. And Mary didn't do it because she was told to. She didn't do it because she had to. No one told her to. She did that because she had sat at the feet of Jesus. And she had seen who he was. She had seen his character and how he treated her. And she wanted to give that jar of perfume. So worship band, you can come up if you'd like. I would like you to, but you... <laughs> um, now some of you in here might be going, Marin, you don't know. I, like, I would love to just come and be with Jesus. I would love to spend time with Jesus, but you don't know what I've done. 
You don't know how much I messed up. You don't, even this week. And honestly, this is something that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart for you guys. I feel like some of you are literally scared of being in the presence of God. Because you're afraid that he's going to take a hammer and smash your head and yell at you and get upset at you for what you've done. You feel like he's angry at you. And he wants you to know that he's not angry at you. He wants you to know that he's not scary. He's your dad. And he just wants to be with you. He doesn't want you to do things for him like Martha. He wants you to be with him. There's one, there's several stories that talk about this jar of perfume. And one of them, other ones don't say the word name Martha, but one of them, it calls this woman a sinner. And a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life. She was someone who'd messed up. And she came to Jesus in the midst of her brokenness, in the midst of her falling. And she came to him not because she thought he was going to smash her with a hammer and yell at her, but because she saw his kindness. And he's saying, I'm kind. I'm nice. I'm not scary. Just come and be with me, my son, my daughter. I want to show you what a true dad is like. Some of you have maybe had some bad dads. And he's like, I'm not like that. Come be with me. There's another story about Mary and Martha earlier. And Martha is serving once again. She's doing things for Jesus. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And she's listening to Jesus. It says. And Martha gets upset and she kind of rats out her sister and is like, tell her to help me. And Jesus says, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. She chose, even in the midst of her past sin and her present sin, to be with him. And it was because of being with Jesus, it was because of how he loved her in the midst of her brokenness, how he loved her in the midst of of her sadness when her brother had died and he just cried with her. Do you know Jesus cries with you? It was because of who she had seen him be in the secret place that she wanted to go get that jar of perfume. So I'm gonna invite you to come to the secret place that he's not scary and he just wants to be with you. He just wants to spend time with you. If there's one thing I want said about my life, it's nothing from any of you, frankly. It's a father saying to me, Marin, I know you. And you know me. You can only know someone by spending time with them. You don't know anyone you haven't. 
with your life goal to be with Jesus. Not to do for Jesus, but to be with him. And that looks different. That can look like different things. That can look like reading your Bible. That can look like meditating. That can look like worshiping. That can also look like going on a walk or going shopping with your dad, Father God. God, I've been holding on to my jar of perfume, which is my heart, and I'm choosing to give my life to you. If that's you, just do it right now. Give your heart. Say, Jesus, I accept you into my life. I accept you into my heart. I give you my everything. So in the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our school and class, you can be with Jesus. But just like Mary, we have to be with him alone, too. We have to we have to just spend time at his feet listening to him. So your dad's not mad at you. He's not upset at you. He's not angry. He's not scary. He's not hurtful and abusive. So God, I pray generation of people not known for being on the platform, not known for being famous in the eyes of people, but that you will stand, we will stand before you someday and you will say, I knew you, I knew you and you know me because you have been with me, you have spent every moment with me and you have seen who I because you've seen who I am, you've given everything to me. And you've paid costly prices. You've been criticized by family and friends for how you love 